And welcome to the uh, first episode of War Dice. I'm Gonzo. And I'm John from War Budgies. And we wanted to say that we we're really, really interested in doing this. Um, a lot of people have been asking for a podcast on Warcaster. And uh, I was like, I know the perfect person to do that with. And because he's like the community person for Warcaster, which, by the way, being the be-all, end-all of Warcaster and everything else, you're doing something really cool in November. What are you doing in November? In November, we are actually doing the capstone to the Jericho Reach campaign. So Jericho Reach Season 2 kicks off at the end of this month in August, and it's going to run all the way up to right before Warfare Weekend. And then at Warfare Weekend, we're doing this big narrative-style, really cool custom rules campaign to see if we can bring down the Lawgiver flagship. Which you know ISA is going to win. We already know that, so that's not a big deal. Oh, it's totally uh, safe. Yeah, ISA is going to take everything this year. Um, but you're also going to be running all this stuff at Warfare Weekend, all the Warcaster stuff at Warfare Weekend, correct? Yep. Yeah. So uh, a little bit about me. My name is Gonzo. I run the More Than Dice Network. Um, the More Than Dice Network, I'm one of three people on the More Than Dice podcast. Myself, Kathy Wapple, and John Spencer. We do our podcast every Sunday. Uh, we do it live on Twitch where we paint, talk about... Uh, stuff currently Kathy is uh, on hiatus and so we have special guests on every so often um, also on the more than dice network we also have the minority report which are great guys uh, we have the tried and true podcast that it's on there and also um, the um, oh my gosh my name's blanking um, Boker Brawl their podcast is on there now um, so if you're interested besides what we do here you can find all that stuff over there um, John tell us about your war budgies like nobody knows about it right <laughs> right so i'm i'm john i run the youtube channel war budgies we mostly do narrative battle reports and just kind of goofy content whatever we feel like picked up uh warcaster i guess towards the end of 2020 and produced about 14 15 battle reports since then along kind of a narrative theme around this world that we made up called jericho reach and uh we're looking forward to continuing that this year with another 10 episodes between now and november and we'll see where it goes from there you were actually uh, on one of the Primecasts for Jericho Reach, weren't you? Yes, we recently, Private Two was very cool and brought us on to show off the source book that we wrote for Jericho Reach and then to talk a little bit about the campaign. Nice. So um, for our episodes, we're going to do it a little bit different. We know that everybody knows, for the most part, what the game is and how it's played, but the one thing that we wanted to do is our first what, four episodes are going to be list building and why we took it. Um, I know that some people know I'm more of a tournament, um, and I don't want to say non-casual, but I'm more of a tournament player, so I build lists to go to conventions and go to tournaments. Um, and so John builds more like what? John builds like a filthy casual. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I, I build almost exclusively either for a narrative or for rule of cool or just what deranged thought runs through my head at any given time. Correct. Um, so we thought that would be a really cool concept for us to do because we're, we're not – I mean, we're all in on the game, but we kind of play in different concepts in our head. Right. Um, but so our, like our first four episodes are going to be about list building. Um, then we're going to talk about uh, like terrain, community building – uh, certain stuff like that, which, by the way, if you're going to go to Warfare Weekend, we have a lot of cool terrain. Um, we just got not only all the stuff from uh, Death Ray Design that they sent us, um, but we have a bunch of stuff from Tinker Turf. Um, mm. they're, and they're actually wanting to give us more terrain, so it'll be even cooler. So we should have some pretty legit tables this year. 
um, which we all know is very important uh, to Warcaster because an open field in Warcaster is a dumb field. <laughs> and scenic tables are just awesome. Yes. Yeah. It's always fun to have 3D stuff on there, which I'm glad we're seeing more of. Yeah. Um, so pretty much what we're going to be talking about is we both built lists. Um, we will post the lists um, in the podcast. Uh, things so everybody can see it. Um, but we decided to go with ISA because ISA is the best faction in the game, no matter what anybody tells you. Um, and both John and I agree on this. Absolutely. It is not authorized to say otherwise. Correct. Uh, we get, you know, nuked from orbit if we say differently. Um, <laughs> but so a little bit of background, you know, more fluff than me. What is ISA? Yeah. So I'm the uh, trade-off for not being a big uh, competitive player is I'm an absolute <laughs> lore and fluff hound. I love the story. I love the setting that we've got going on here. And, of course, I love the ISA because I'm required to. So, for those of you who may be new to Warcaster, we're going to back up a little bit and go back to when the Infernals arrived on War Machine in the world of War Machine and they showed up to take a bunch of souls. There were a whole bunch of people who said nope and they went through this gate to another galaxy. And that's roughly the foundation of... Uh, the world of Warcaster. It takes place in the Cyrus galaxy thousands of years later. Well, as humanity does, as they're sort of figuring things out, this group called the Iron Star Alliance stood up and said, we have a plan for how this is going to work. And everybody else said, cool, so do we. So the ISA pulled out very large guns and said, maybe you didn't hear me. I said, we have a plan. <laughs> and that sort of set the theme for how things are going to go in the Cyrus galaxy. The Iron Star Alliance is now this vast military authoritarian force they're very very good at what they do there's no arguing that one they are they're in the, the right all the they're time. called the first and greatest of humanity but uh they do have a chore ahead of them you're looking at very very standardized very authoritarian very rules driven they got a system and you're going to follow it their their technology is actually I, you know what, I, I hate to say this, but they're kind of the generic military authority type army. Best way to put it. Yeah. Their tech is really armies. good, but not, you know, not beyond what everybody else is thinking. And it's not, you know, jury rig type stuff or, you know, it's not, you know, piecemealed. It's, it's, you can tell this is like a mass produced, you know, army. Yeah. And the lore behind that, I think is really interesting. Because their stats are actually a little bit worse than some of the, the other Warjacks. When you look at things like the Strike Raptor, the ISA doesn't have anything spectacular necessarily on their Warjack stats. And they call them out in the uh, Thousand Suns book as saying they have to mass produce so many of these things to cover so many worlds that they can't afford to be customizing them all. Which, by the way, I will say um, if you have not picked up the Thousand World book, go get it. Oh, yeah. That is one of the best books i have ever seen privateer press do um it is beautiful inside it has good painting guides um i haven't read all the fluff um i go for more of those stats right off the quick but i mean that is it's one of their best books i've seen in a long time of any miniature game because it is it covers everything and it's got tons of tons of equipment in there and they have big two-page beautiful spreads for the spaceships and i love <laughs> spaceships yeah, I, I did see, I thought it was kind of funny, someone did say, hey, why isn't Privateer Press made a naval battle game? And I'm like, mm, I could deal with a Warcaster space battle game. 
Oh, absolutely. That would be insane. I would be ecstatic. We haven't, I haven't seen a good space battle game, you know, in a long time. That would be super awesome. Yeah. So let's go ahead and get through. Let's go ahead and get started about this. Um, our list, which we looked at it, and um, I, what did you say my list was? <laughs> I don't know if I can repeat the exact word on air. Uh, you can, which okay. We we can keep it under like forty five f bombs or you know whatever. <laughs> That's right. okay. I'll, I will characterize Gonzo's list as a saucy list. <laughs> um, but we did notice something that we both checked out. We both didn't take one model directly. Um, and we're probably going to get blasted because of this, but probably. neither one of us took um, the Siege Breakers. I'm not a fan of the Siege Breaker. What do you think? Well, the going back to the rule of cool and the whole narrative thing, like all, all the things I took for my list were for a specific, more of a narrative function than anything else. And I just have a, have a hard time visually fitting in the giant mech suit. Mm-hmm into kind of how I wrap my head around the army. And it's just a personal thing. I think yeah. it's a good model. It's got good stats and all that. It's a good all-rounder. I mean, it's very ISA. Well, my big issue is it takes up a slot. It does. And that and that's a problem. One model to take up a slot that, you know, decent stats, um, decent weapons. I mean, they're, in my opinion, average to short range, 10 to 12. Mm-hmm. Um, but it takes up a full slot. And I'm like... I just couldn't put it in there. I couldn't go with it. It just kind of, you know, knocked me out on that. I like them best if I can plant them somewhere and just have them hold a flag and hold a hill. Correct. But I've got other models for that, you know. Same here. I I like my Warjacks to do that because they can can stick around longer um, type thing. So um, let's go ahead and go. Let's let's go. We both took Cadres. Um, There (laughs) is no if, ands, or buts to that. A unit of cadres are amazing. I don't care what anybody says. They're one of the the greatest things. So let's go ahead and take, um, let's see. What's the first cadre unit you want to talk about? Uh, first one to talk about. Actually, speaking of holding ground, we'll talk about the regulators first. Okay. First off, if you haven't seen the models for the regulators, oh my God. Holy crap. Holy <laughs> crap. This is a literal tank with a hammer the same height as he is. Yes. And there's three of them. Yes. Yeah. So these are the guys I like. The list that I made, I'm going to sidetrack a little bit because I do that a lot. <laughs> the list that I made is really split into two functions. There's a whole lot of speed up front, and I like to use that early on in order to surge up the board and s- start messing up my opponent's plans. Mm-hmm. And then I've got these really, the really slow, powerful tank units that hopefully will drop in off gates as I advance up the board and just hold territory. And the regulators are almost custom built for that purpose. See, I, I, I think of the same way. We just went in different routes. You right. took a lot of vehicles. I took a lot of, like, I took two units of tracers and one vehicle. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of where we kind of we kind of have the both same idea, but mm-hmm. we went through it in different ways. Yes, because I also have a deep-seated addiction to interceptors that I am not interested in fixing. <laughs> Um, so what I think is interesting that we need to talk about before we get even deeper into this is we're not going to talk about attachments so much because we're not going to say which units have attachments right? because there's no need to. 
in my opinion. You can just like, okay, we're going to put this attachment on this unit when they drop type thing. So it's, you know, it's going to be very nice because I will tell you the one of the things that I was super excited about with uh, the regulators mm-hmm. was the witch hounds. Yes. Oh, man. I will blow up a witch hound to mess up you as quickly as I can. I do not care about those guys. Are They are so cannon fodder to me. I will let them blow up. And then drop a cipher to bring him back so he can do it again. Yeah, I'm just like, yeah, take this, get rid of it, don't care. I mean, it, it, of course, it does, does start to get a little bit more expensive because your squad, you know, goes up, you know, to four. But, you know, three witch hounds on there to really mess up anybody that's heavy on the arc exchange and stuff. And especially if they have, you know, stealth models out there. This just, it, it's an all around butt kicker, in my opinion. Um, other than that, uh, now I did want to talk about since, you know, this is, we did get a wild card hero attachment, uh, which was the, um, what quartermaster. I did not, I, I'm not too enthused about the quartermaster. Are you? I'll be honest. I, I honestly, I really like the quartermaster. I haven't tried her out much because I haven't painted the model yet. <laughs> and that's mostly it. I'm, I'm just trying to catch up with Jericho reach painting stuff. So her, Fenric and Axel for Hire, I know, are really interesting units, but I haven't played around with them yet. I just, my brain is working around this going, of course, I'll have the model and be there because it's attachment, so I don't have to pay for it type thing, in, mm-hmm. you know, in the list building. But, I mean, it, it'll make it where it, when you play on the table, do I need the witch hounds to, you know, be cannon fodder and blow up? Or do I need the uh, quartermaster to give me the extra little stuff that I might need? Right. So it'll just be kind of an interesting thing. Um, but I will tell you, the regulators, they're just so good. I don't care what everybody says. The, of course, the models are amazing. Um, mm-hmm. The ability for uh, you know the cadre, and they have thrusters um, when they're charged, so they even get better. Because their defense is low, let's, let's admit that. Yeah. Um, but their Void Hammer range to PAL-5. When they hit, they're going to hit hard. On a mat four, yeah. Yeah. They're going to hit really, really hard. Um, I took two because I bought more outside of that, uh, outside of the cadre, because oh. I really like them because they're I – I like pushing up forward, dropping a gate, and bringing out one of those, and then bringing out another one because they're just nasty beyond belief. Cool. Um, so let's go with the rest of the cadres. Uh, tracers. Um. This is one of my favorite units in the game. I can see that. Yeah. yeah. This thing is okay. They're super fast. Speed eight is amazing. The rest of their stats are, you know, average threes. Um, but moving that fast, having the flight ability, and then all the special abilities, they get plus three defense against fury attacks. I mean, that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, it can charge other friendly units within 10 inches when it kills a model. Um, and they can ignore cover when making range attacks. That's pretty legit, in my opinion. So they're actually a really good backup for what I normally use my interceptors for. Because mm-hmm. I use those a lot in order to mess up point scoring. If, if it's the end of pulse round scoring, just jet them forward and try to sit on as many objectives as possible or a contestant objective. And I can definitely see the more I get to use the tracers that they can fill that role as well. Just diving into the, into the nonsense and getting up in someone's plan. 
Yeah, because, I mean, they only cost two to bring out. They're super fast. They just they can fly up the field, and if you get lucky, spike with them, and their attacks become sprays, which yeah. is legit powerful in this game. I don't care anybody tells you. Um, sprays are – they're just incredible. Um, so I, I took two of those because um, I, I, like, I like flanking with those models completely and everything. Um, what was the other – What's our other one? You did not. You did talk. Did not take. Uh, well, she's not part of the country. Who's the other cadre that we had on there? Um, uh, the major. Major. Myra. Wait, no. Who's in the cadre that we that we were taking that you said you? Oh, the other cadre thing is uh, the Jack. No, uh, the, the headsman, headsman. Yeah. headsman. Let's just say that this guy, in my opinion. Is OP as hell. <laughs> I don't well, care what he says. He is it. Whatever you want to do, um, is insanely powerful. Yeah, I want him right in the middle of everything. I want him tuned up, and I want him just wasting everything in his path. Yeah, because it's. I mean, it's just incredible. Because if you look at it, um, where is it? Um, his stats. I mean, he's speed five. I mean, armor four. So legit heavy, um, basic stats, defense a little, you know, a three. It's a jack, four yeah. health, but I mean, it, it can immediately attack after it's been attacked. It's got thrusters, um, the tractor the cannon. Bonus. Yeah, I mean, you've got you know tractor cannon, which is great for locking down um, things, uh, and actually, you know, it can pull the model towards them. <laughs> I mean, because it's got winch. Yeah. Um, heavy fusion blade, great, because that's always a good backup um, when it needs to go in there. But the Eye of Sorrow is really what makes this thing stupid. It is nuts. I, it, I, mean, I looked at this, and then when it came in, I'm like, this has got to be wrong. Because this <laughs> Eye of Sorrow, I mean, it's okay. It's like, it range 12, POW 6. That's incredible. Yeah. It's a spray weapon with a strafing ability. I mean... An arc booster, which you know, you know, suffers minus one armor, and it can target model warrior models without line of sight. Mm-hmm. I mean, with the the intense background of the terrain for Warcaster, you set that thing behind a building, and you're like, whoop, and just shoot through the walls. <laughs> you're like, you don't care. Yeah, he's definitely one. Of those, if you can put him in a good strategic spot, he can win you the game. Yeah, the model is of course really really cool looking too to begin with. So I mean, that's just another. Good thing to go with. Um, that run right there, I'm like, that's just, I really thought that that was a mistake when I first saw him <laughs> um, going into that. Um, and so the last one is the Regulator Reeve, um, which is pretty much, you know, a solo that's pretty much about the same thing, but can really dish out some good damage. Um, yeah. Because he can clear arc, which is really good um, from models. I mean, clear one arc, but hey, I'll tell you, clearing one arc from a gate can really mess up your opponent. Yeah. What I like the most about him, though, is arc relay. Oh, yes. Is that he's he's someone I can actually put into the thick of it without worrying about them crumpling about, like paper. Correct. Because, I mean, let, let's let's admit it. The Paladin Weaver, you know, the Weaver, mm-hmm. they can get crushed pretty quickly. Yeah. They're and very we, good at their job, but they do tend to fold. Correct. Um, and so, 
to me, this cadre is like a must take in my opinion when I play all the time. One, it's great. Two, it's got some like I says, ISRO is just stupid. I mean, it's just broken beyond belief. <laughs> I don't care what anybody says. It's, it's just so much fun. Um, and I says this is a real cool cadre because those models, super tanky looking, super heavy, so on and so forth, can't beat it. Yeah. Um, so let's go with heroes because you and I took a quite different variety of heroes. We did actually for very interesting reasons. Yeah. So the ones that we did take together though, um, which was what Voitech Sudol. Yep. Voitech and Duchess. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause we did take Duchess because I'm going to tell you that you know, she's just awesome, but let's go with Voitech. Why mm-hmm. did you take Voitech? I took Voitech mostly because he causes a lot of problems for your opponent, and I love that kind of stuff. Game oh, Jammer, yeah. Pathfinder, and Stealth means, for the most part, if you're smart about it, and I have a uh, distraction unit nearby to keep too much firepower from aiming at him, I can usually get him up the board relatively quickly and just park him in cover, preferably up on elevation, and just Gate Jammer. Yeah. And everything becomes more difficult. Uh, there were so many times uh, when we played, when I played at um, Adepticon, he was like number one target for a lot of people because of Gate Jammer. I mean, it Plus, was the just. model is amazing. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I would just run him. I was like, I don't care if you shoot anything. I don't care if you strike anything. Just get into a spot, hide, and screw up their gates. Yep. Because, I mean, in all answers, that's the best way to, you know hamstring your opponent it was like oh i put four on here and okay so gate jammer goes up and then i have a model that can strip you know so now you're down to two on them so i i to me he's a must-have in my list and so we both took him which is really really good um what were the ones that you okay let's go we both took duchess which that's in my brain if you're gonna play any um if you're gonna play any type of vehicle, you got to put Duchess on there. Absolutely. I mean, she not only does she, you know, her maneuvers and her special maneuvers for her are really good. Um, but we both took different weapons. Mm-hmm. I went with I Tempest say- Cannon because I like, I mean, it's a spray weapon. I love spray weapons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I also took an interceptor with the Tempest Cannon. I got to say, though, I don't know if I would take Duchess by herself without another Interceptor, though, because if she if she dies, then that, that vehicle roll is out the window. Correct. Um, and which is what, one of the things that, it's for me, it's hard to put more than one vehicle because, one, they're costly, but um, she's just really good, mm-hmm. uh, in my opinion. She is super legit. Uh, with her abilities and everything that she comes in. Um, and like I said, what, t- what what weapon did you take with her? So with her, I took her her signature weapon, the Null Torpedo. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't played with that yet, so I, I don't know anything about it, um, you know, for the most part. But, I mean, it does have some good abilities. Like, what are some things that go with that that you well, like about it? So it, it comes with System Failure and Null Strike. So it's re- it's a really good thing to run around and tag... Your opponent's war jacks, especially the ones who are causing problems for you. Yep. So, uh, I took her and two uh, interceptors, 
and each one has a very specific role in mind. So I've got one with an immolator who's out there to tag the expensive units, put that minus one mat rat on him. One with a Tempest Cannon, because you're absolutely right, sprays are just amazing. Oh, yeah. And then uh, Duchess to run around and just make life hell for Warjacks. <laughs> I mean, she has uh, she has some good abilities. I mean, her yeah. maneuvers. I'm going to tell you, the vehicles, they really are very awesome in this game. Uh, because even though they can fly really far and, you know, shoot things pretty good, you know, speed nine for the most part for ISA, the maneuvers really, really can help you out get where they need to go. Yes. Um, oh, I know when we get shot up, evasive action, um, full burn, you know, all the little things that they have on here. And, and it's, it, it, it could be daunting for a new player to go, what do I use when? Because you do have to know when to use their maneuvers. Right. Use, use evasive action until you're ready to jump on an objective, then use full burn. That's all you need to know. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing more infuriating than having this massive vehicle sitting on your lines, and you can't hit it because it's running like death four or five, and it's got evasive action going. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the ones we didn't, because I chose three that you didn't, and you chose a couple that I didn't. Right. So I actually only took the, not counting Duchess, I only took the minimum three. Yeah. And I think you took at least one extra. Yeah, I, I went with uh, uh, Major Asaya, I guess you pronounce it, and uh, Dr. Hurst and Axel for Hire. And they all perform roles that I need. Um, gotcha. That I think Why don't you are... go to explain Dr. Hurst real quick? Okay. I know you have very strong feelings <laughs> about that model. To me, she is a must-have in any list. I don't care what anybody says. She's usually my first drop. On my first, you know, the first round. Um, for anything else that anybody that activates within 10 inches can charge, get charged up uh, with one arc. So I think that to me is like a super, super important. Mm. Um, so she can dish out, you know, and it's just by walking. You know, when that unit activates, you can charge that unit up. Um, you know, and she's usually charged up all the time because, I mean, she can spike to get, you know, to clear art from things because I'm going to tell you right now, the hardest thing for a lot of people I've seen to get around is the arc and you have a very limited supply. Yes. And that limited supply, um, gets burnt very quickly, very fast, especially in the full battle force. Yeah, correct. Um, so to me, she's just like a 100% take just for her arc amplifier, arc exchange. Uh, and, you can't help it, but a psycho relay let you hold up to six cards is pretty important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like I said, she's usually whenever I lay my my first models out, she's number one. That's who she comes down right off the bat. Um, and she's just got so much going for her. Yeah, she's a character, so when she dies, you know it's over. But you put her out and hide her and put her in a good spot. You know, first round done you're okay yeah so the funny thing is all those reasons that you just gave are exactly the reasons why i didn't take her and i usually don't (laughs) and there's a two part to that first is just because i'm a narrative kind of player Mm -hmm. if i'm told anything is a must take my first instinct is to not take it correct because i i don't like being doubted into stuff but (laughs) the couple of times that i have played around with that model my issue with it is she's immediately a target correct she's public enemy number one so I either have to stash her when she first comes out or I have to bring her out later when things are already 
well underway, and her ability is not that useful at that point because I've already allocated most of my arc, and hopefully Steph isn't dying. So I actually very seldom actually bring her to battle. Uh, she's usually she's usually like I said, my first drop, no matter what, just because she's she's got so much going for her, and she helps yeah. out the game so much. Type thing. She's definitely a winner. Oh, you're that much. Oh yeah. Type thing. So what was one that you took that I did not take? Uh, I don't think you took Voss, did you? No, I did not take Voss. So let me just say I love Voss, and I didn't think I would, but after I, I've had more profanity directed at my Voss than I think any other model in my army, <laughs> and it's simply because of Void Jumper. It so is very good. He's, I believe, what speed seven, I think. I'm gonna verify that real yeah, quick. Yeah, it so. is speed seven. Okay, so yeah, so he, he speed seven. He is one of my first putouts and. In this list, the first people I'm going to put on the board is going to be Voss and Duchess. And that's because I want to get up that board. I want to be messing up my opponent's planes as fast as possible. And Voss, he can he starts off five inches in. He can run up seven inches. God forbid if someone shoots and hits him, then he just spikes, ignores it, teleports another eight inches up. And I usually take the opportunity to stash him into cover. And then on his next turn, run another seven, drop a gate. And see, what you're saying is the exact opposite of why I don't take, because Voss was a major target for me whenever I was playing in uh, the tournaments because yeah. of that ability right there. And it's like, you've got to get him, and you got to kill Voss and kill Voss now. Yes. And so I found out that, you know, uh, okay, I think I might be able to, you know, try something a little bit different with him. But yeah, he, I mean, he's still legit. Let's not, let's not go past that. But I mean... There's just something, he's he's a bugger, best way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> that is our diplomatic, polite euphemism for the day. Yes. <laughs> All right. Who else you got on yours? Uh, I took Axel for hire. So for hire. Um, one of the things playing that I noticed is there's not like a huge amount of long-range weapons on ISA. We get True 12, facts. you know, 10, so on and so forth. Uh, and our longer weapons come in on our jacks. And so Axel for Hire is one of those solos that just really stepped out for me. I mean, 14-inch range. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's, what, speed 7, 14-inch range, POW 5? I mean, he will, you know, he'll knock anything. And, you know, when he attacks something with uh, that's charged, he gets two power dice on top of the attack. Yep. Uh, which is legit. So he can actually target jacks and start, you know, knocking jacks down pretty quickly. He is what every marcher ranger wants to be when they grow up. Correct. And that's the reason why I took it, because I, I look at the marchers and I'm like, man, those rangers are nice. I wish I had something like that. And I do. Yeah. <laughs> I and have... His name is Axel. Yeah, Axel. Um, and so this was, like, really good. I mean, he's got he's got good abilities. Uh, he ignores terrain penalties. Um, he can, you know, use his clips drive, um, mm. which is great, because then you can activate him, put it on there, eclipse drive, activate him again next round. Um, and he can, you know, after he range attack, he can hide back in cover. Um, so, I mean, he's he's got what I need for, like, sniping out those Voss that are a pain in the ass, you know, type thing, and just really nailing those far targets. He is a professional. I got to admit that. <laughs> Model's pretty cool, too. 
Um, yeah. Which uh, I didn't know if you saw that, that his card has an actual new symbol on it that we haven't seen before. Yes. Which leads that, to a lot of questions about this whole Lost Legion business. Correct. Who I was hoping was just going to be a bunch of budgies in mech suits, but apparently that's not a thing. Yeah. No. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen, no. <laughs> which <laughs> is kind of interesting. Actually, I'm, I'm looking at his model right now on my desk. I've got him primed and he's on the painting queue, but I'm really looking forward to trying to figure out what color scheme to even do for the Lost Legion. I have no clue either. Uh, I think I might just do a dry brushing technique on him, metal dry brushing, just to make him, you know, look fully robotic. Yeah. Type thing. Um, so, speaking of models, the uh-huh. last hero I took, I took for the most stupid reason imaginable. Okay. I took Baron Morgrave. Now, I, I honestly, I like him for chewing up infantry. Uh-huh. But the reason I took him is because the the con-exclusive model of him as a vampire is so disgustingly amazing. Oh, yeah. That I have to take him. Yeah, that model... Um, when I went to Adepticon, I skipped every single booth and made sure I went to um, Privateer Press's booth and picked that up right away because I was like, that's a legit awesome model. It's on my painting table. Um, I haven't painted or anything, but that's a legit model. Yes, and the fact that he's really, really good at cleaning up infantry like that is just a bonus. Oh, yeah. He's solid. Yeah. Um, my last one that I took, because I took, you know, I took four heroes, um, not counting Duchess, um, was uh, Major Dracy. I really like this model a lot. That has so much. You can charge it up for one at the start of activation for free. Um, you can re- it automatically removes one point of damage because um, they got you know she has three health and then the neural web commands are mm. just great. Um, Battle Matrix. Anybody within ten inches, they get plus one power dice to attack rolls. Yes. <laughs> um, you get to choose field promotion. Um, you can replace models with an equal or si- uh, si- smaller base solo from the reserves. So you can like, oh, I really need this. Put that in. Yep. Um, and then the uh, impulse agitator, which lets the unit move their speed again, um, is just really good. She's the only issue I have is she's going to be, you have to protect her. Yes. I mean, her armor is really low. Her defense, I would say low, it's threes. Um, but her speed is six, so she can get up and you put her in a spot and hide her. And then just have everybody move around her within 10 inches. And she provides a good, solid bubble. A bubble of bullshit, the best way to put it. I mean, <laughs> come on. Plus one power dice to all your attack rolls? I can think of some good candidates for that one. Yeah. I mean, you think about it. If you really think about it, she's it's a 10-inch bubble. So it's, you know, 10 inches on each side. Mm-hmm. And if you're in that, you get the ability. It's not choose, just while within it. The other yep. two were choosing, but I mean, I'll tell you, you put a jack, you know, you put a jack in 10 inches of her and that jack's just going to kill everything. Yeah. And she's really nice. And I know we built these for full battles, but in skirmish is really nice because she gets anywhere near the center of the board and you're covering most of the board with that bubble. Oh yeah. Yeah. You, she's that, that 10 inch bubble is amazing. You know, and, it, and it's not what, what's even more interesting about it is it's not choose a model in line of sight. It's 
choose a friendly squad within 10. Yeah. Choose a friendly non-vehicle within 10. Not line of sight. Doesn't have to matter. Just she you know sends up the radar you know satellite signals bounce around the planet and good to go <laughs> um her strafe gun is pretty good i mean it's not her you know it's not greatest because it's only like a pal three but you know it can help clean up yeah um let's talk about our other solos uh that are not heroes um the weavers and commanders yeah nothing spectacular there from my end i took the two weavers because I like having backup at full battle force. I honestly don't use Furies as much as I should. So when I'm doing Skirmish, I typically only bring one Weaver. See, I only bring one Weaver also because I don't do a lot of Fury. Um, I'm very picky. So some of it just doesn't fit my play style. Yeah. Um, but the ones I use, you know, I use them, you know, it's like a knife. Surgical yep. knife when I use it. And if you guys have seen the Jericho Reach campaign, you know, some of the games have been bought and sold by that one fury they manages to get through. Yeah. I mean, but they do, they do serve a purpose. The weavers can, you know, give out arc or take arc away. And that's most of what I use them for. Same here. <laughs> it's mostly to put arc on something. Yep. It's arcane synthesis walking. Yep. Um, so, I mean, there, I mean, I did have a weaver knock the crap out of a Jack one time. Uh, because I rolled really well on a hit and the dice spiked beyond belief and he took out a Jack and my opponent was like, well, holy crap. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, you don't mess with him. And you know, of you'll course. promote that man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we both did take, uh, commanders. Yep. It's classic. Um, yeah. I always take at least one just for a simple reason that, um, the command interface can remove, you know, activation tokens. Yeah. Which is... Removing an activation token is so powerful in this game that I think a lot of people just don't... Or I wouldn't say a lot. i say some people just don't get how powerful that is. Whenever you're playing in a um, scenario that requires you to go get something and bring it back. Yes. Because you walk up there with that unit, grab that objective... And then you spike with him to get rid of that. And, you know, the next turn they run away again. So you're not waiting a long time to do that. So, I mean, just, and that's pretty much all I use the commander for (laughs) is just to get rid of uh, activation tokens. I have a personal obligation to take the commander because I've got a custom model that I did for Taria, the main character, Jericho Reach. So I have to bring her to my battles now. Yeah. It's a rule. Um, the other solo I took um, that you didn't take is I took an auto mech. I haven't had a chance to play with them a lot, um, but I like them because I like to sit them, you know, close by a jack just to, oh, you did this. No, I don't care. Auto mech's going to take care of it. Yeah. And, I probably would have taken one if I had remembered him. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but he, I just finished painting him this past week, and so he's out in the studio right now, so I forgot that I had him. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, they get to, you know, if they have an arc on them, which my list does a lot of adding and taking off arcs, um, can remove an activation token off of a warjack, which if anybody knows, you let a warjack, you know, get two turns off in the same, you know, phase, it's just incredible. Um, especially the way I built my jacks. Um, but, I mean, it, it's, they're, they're super cheap to bring out. 
and I don't care if they die for the most part because they're there to do a few things and then walk away. Exactly. They're, you know, they're not going to be killing a bunch of stuff, uh, although they do have a spray weapon uh, and the fire continuous effect, but still. The ability to repair, remove activation tokens um, is, is super important with Jax. Yes. The only thing we need now is an auto mech with a coffee mug. Hey, I think you should probably sculpt one. You can sculpt one. I'll do what I can. I'm sure <laughs> you can do it. Um, I think the only thing we have next is our Jax. Yep. Because what did you take that is out of that that I did not take? So I took my stock, the stock ones used for the battle reports for the most part. I got a Morning Star. He's packing sword and shield, starburst missiles, and a pulse cannon. And he's just almost all my jacks are good all rounders. I don't like having a jack for one specific person purpose except for the last jack in the list. Got a yeah. firebrand, sword, shield, harbinger cannon. He is my favorite model. He is the model that got me into this game. <laughs> the which one was it? He's a firebrand, sword, shield, harbinger cannon. Um, I usually, that is usually one of the ones I take in my lists, um, up until now, um, because I've started to use my jacks. My jacks are built for specific purposes. Yep. Um, type thing. I put that model together for my friend Miranda over at Wargamer Girl. We were unpacking them at Bahala and I put that model together and I was like, this is amazing. What is this? <laughs> and it was a firebrand sword and shield. So he, he always comes. Oh yeah. And then I've got the shooty one with the grenade launcher, the immolator, and the assault rifle. He's just there to spray nonsense everywhere. Yeah. So we both took two morning stars. No, you took you took two firebrands and one morning star, and yep. I took two morning stars and one firebrand. Um, and was actually put four jacks in our list, which I think is kind of interesting that we went that way, um, just because the jacks are incredibly awesome in this game. Mm. Um, I know a lot of people have, you know, pushed for, you know, put less jacks, more troops because they are able to do more in objectives and moving around the field. But I'm just like, mm, there's just something about it. And so, like, my firebrand that I use, um, oh, nose itches, sorry. Uh, I use as a sit and hold objective. Okay. Uh, so I take double shields. Which yeah. is, you know, stupid. <laughs> it's visually very cool, though. Oh, yeah. They are amazing to look at. It's very cool to see double shields on a jack um, on there. And I took, of course, the emulator. Uh, yeah. Because all he's doing is he is going to sit right there. And then I, need, I needed something that can still effectively shoot. And with a 16-inch range, it was very well worth it, in my opinion. Yes. Um. Does a fire can use effect and, you know, pal five. Um, so I was like, that's what I had to do with it. And so the head I took with him was the uh, recon um, revelator. Okay. Uh, which lets him ignore stealth, which is great when I have range 16. Yes. So I sit on an objective, put the two shields up, kind of haunch down behind them, and just start trying to pop shot with the range 16. That's just how I've got to go. And that fits? That's what they're, they're made to do. Um, so let's talk about one of your morning stars. Well, actually, let's point out, neither one of us took oh. like the iconic weapon for the morning star. Yeah, we're, we're, we're going to get flayed and beaten up and thrown to the pit no, for not see, taking Gatecrasher. You are. 
because I'm the fluffy narrative guy. I have an excuse. <laughs> I, I have. Okay. So I wanted to say the reason why I don't take a gate crasher. Um, I look at it. Very cool ability. Very awesome. Can really do a lot of good stuff. But like I says, I think one of the biggest issues is using arc and throwing that out there. And then you having to put three to four arc on it when it comes out, or I can't remember how much you can put on there. Um, when it comes out is it, it, it's balancing that arc usage, which is a very big part of the game that I just, yeah. I just can't, I can't get around. I'm like, I just can't see putting one of those just for that ability when I could a use the card that gives me that or just bring it out normally. Right. Type thing. So I just have to, uh, I have to kind of wait and see. So I, I did not take it either. It, it, it is too arc intensive for me for the way I play. Yeah. My thing is, A, it cost me a gun. Correct. Uh, which I could be using every round. But I've also, and it may be a personal play style thing, I've never been in a situation where I've needed it. I've been in situations where it's nice, but I've been in plenty of situations where I was like, oh, I wish I had one more round of shooting instead of the stupid gate crasher. Correct. So and I completely get the love for it, but it usually doesn't show up on my list. I've got one Morning Star. I'm still building. That'll put it on. Yeah, see, I, I I just have a problem with it due to the fact that there's very limited resources, and I'm constantly using up them to almost the max of my ability. Right. Type thing. So you can flay us. You can get mad at us. You can yell at us. <laughs> uh, when you see us conventions, slap our hands, you know, say – Bad Warcaster and slap our hands and walk away and then we'll be happy. But I'm not I'm not a fan of the Gate Crasher, even though it is a very cool thing to use. Yeah. I think it's very cool, but I personally just don't use it. Yeah. So um go ahead and talk about one of your morning stars that you built and the reason behind it. So the the take on all comers morning star. Which is a name I just made up. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but it's all like Furton. So he, he passed the sword and shield combo because not only is it visually very ISA, very uh, Knight Paladin, very kind of men off actually, but he's honestly pretty devastating. The, the heavy fusion glaive up close and personal is pretty devastating. Oh yeah. So that, that secures my getting personal, especially when it comes to uh, clearing objectives and all that. The starburst missiles I absolutely love because if I'm not mistaken, if you're charged, you can re-roll the attack roll. And those things have just, they have paid dividends so, so many times. I'll double check my math on that. Yeah, while you're charged, you can re-roll ranged attack rolls once. So it's, it's just, it's a good way to, to th throw some hate and discontent around. We're ISA, so we don't mind blasts. Everyone else hates blasts. Correct. And I have a jack just built for that. Yeah, exactly. So then the, uh, sorry, not the pulse cannon, the null cannon. The null cannon is just fun. <laughs> it's entirely there for fun. It's that one extra shot for when you really need to inflict some pain or take that last arc off something. Okay. Um, so my my second, my first morning star technically is another one. It's a sit and hold. Um, I do double assault shields. Shields, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just, I mean, that's just so devastating. Trying to get through that armor is such a pain in the ass. And I, like you, I like Starburst Missiles. Uh, it's a blast weapon. Um, and it's range 14, power 4, which is great. 
Um, and see, I went with the arc exchange on this one, so I could always get the you know the reroll. Gotcha. Because um, this 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 jack to me is I walk up to an area, sit down, hunker down behind the shields, and just start lobbing things at whatever I can. Um, so always always usually has an arc to begin with. Um, typically will you know shoot and cover a good distance. I mean, fourteen inches is pretty far. Yeah. Um, and it can survive tons of hits no matter what. Fair enough. I mean, where are we going? Uh, it goes what to what? Armor. What is it? Armor Ridiculous. Yeah, where is it? Assault Shield gives him what? Plus one? So plus it goes to a six? Shield. Yeah. With, you know, four health? That's you got to really spike really hard to take it off, you know, and you got to really concentrate on it. So, I mean, it's just completely stupid. Yeah. It's, it's pulling resources from something else either way. Correct. And if you're sitting on an objective or, you know, contesting areas and such, that's to me, is just unbelievably awesome. What was your last Jack? Those were the only three I had. The fourth one would have been the, the oh, okay. Yeah. My next one. And this one is built for a specific purpose and he is a dick. And it's the best way to put it. <laughs> uh, so it's a morning star. I put exchanger. Uh, I put dauntless on it. Okay. Um, so every time it destroys a model with a melee attack, of course, gets to move two inches. Uh, this jack really did a ton of damage in two of my games at Adepticon because I got him up to a bunch of troops and he was just trying to push out things like crazy. And this jack just wrecks everything. Nice. Um, so, you know, with Dauntless, we're going to be able to, you know, move two inches after an attack is resolved. Let's him just chop suey everything. Um, and my favorite weapon, of course, Maelstrom's. Dual mm-hmm. Maelstrom's? Yeah. Um, I don't care about, you know, the defense matrix on it. It's just a spray weapon with range 10. Yep. Um, so it just is even better than that and <clears throat> two fusion glaives how can you not go wrong with fusion glaives <laughs> you made a lawn mower good sir yeah i mean plus the model looks really cool with those two maelstroms and the two fusion glaives yeah, uh, i think i posted a picture of that recently but i really really like that and combined i can't remember the name of uh the cypher card but the one that lets him attack everything mm-hmm. in his melee range not just one model so he can pretty much cleave um, just he just wipes out troops. So I cleave. You're gonna kill a troop. Move two inches. Cleave again. Cause it lasts till the end of the turn, I believe. Um, where was that card? The cipher card. Yeah, I should do. Yeah. Um. Yeah, the end of the turn. And so it gets to attack, and then, then besides making two big sweeping attacks, you got two sprays. Yeah, it is a very close, you know, it is meant to be a melee beat stick, but I've seen them do just do too much work that just makes me too happy. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing. I, I, I felt bad for my opponent at one point because he had brought out two units right at this one gate and just had them all packed in there. And then he had another unit off to the side and I walked in with a jack and swept with the first weapon, killed all three of those, three of those guys in the unit, walked forward two inches, 
swiped kill all of those and then did two sprays i think i killed like almost nine to ten models in one turn with it and i was like i looked at him and he looked at me and we went damn and he's like feels like to be the bad guy yeah (laughs) (laughs) i was like man i was expecting that but not that much you know yeah but I really liked it. Uh, it looks really cool on the field, too. There's something about those heavy fusion glaives that just, like, balls amazing. Yeah. They're glorious. Um, and I think that was that's pretty much it for our list um, that we took. But something that we did take and we, we wanted to talk about, because this really doesn't get talked about a lot in list building or people that talk about, is the rack. Yeah. Um, because this makes or break your army quickly. Um, one of the things I learned playing, I don't know if you've ever heard of this, is not having cards in there that let you do things that you're forced to use in the game, like remove a unit from the board. You know, uh, and you can use the card instead of using the ability uh, that okay. you do uh, type thing. I found that to be where you had to be really, really careful on that. Um so let's go with uh, what we kind of took. Um, let's go. So you have first your, you know, overdrive. Um, mm-hmm. We actually, we only took one. We actually took two that were the same, which was, I'm looking at our list, um, Ascension Catalyst and Impulse Inductor. Impulse Inducer, yep. Inducer. And I know I was just talking crap earlier about things people say are must-takes, but those two cards will make it into every list I play. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, the ability to remove an accelerate, an activation token is important. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the ability to give your jack plus two speed and flight. Yeah. is Those are kind of crazy. Um the one that I took that you didn't take was Kinetic Accelerator, which is the one that lets me make a melee attack against every enemy model within the weapon's range. And that makes perfect sense tailored to your jack. Correct. And that's the reason why I was like, that one to me is just amazing. Yeah. Um, the two that I didn't take but you took was... So I took the Devastation Optimizer, which just it gives a friendly Warjack tune-up. And that's mm-hmm. because I've been so jealous of the... March of Worlds Combat Engineer, just slapping tune-up on everything. Just that little boost to all the stats is glorious, and I want it. So, <laughs> that's going in there. The other one is one of the ISA-specific ones, the Retribution Intercessor. And this ties into the whole idea of advancing up the field quickly and then trying to hold one area. And basically what it means is if someone kills off a warrior model, a friendly warrior model within five inches of this jack, the jack can then move three inches and make an attack. So it's a retaliation thing. So the thought, at least, is to park him near an objective that the squad is holding, and then he's the Overwatch reaction force. So if someone shoots at the squad, hopefully they miss, but if they hit and take somebody out, the Jack immediately responds. Gotcha. Um, let's see. Let's go to Fury, because we both kind of agree that we don't use Fury a lot. Not so much, no. Um, to be just not my shtick in ISA, especially since we like to kill things that like to use um, <laughs> ciphers. Um, we did take one of them. What did we do? Take two that were the same? No, we only took one that was the same, yep. which is the... Which one Explosion. 
yeah, in, instability equation, which I think is important uh, because it's a blast type thing, um, hitting and then hitting you know other people around it, yeah. which is always good for you know wiping out troops. Since and if you're new to ISA, do not be afraid to go danger close with your blast weapons. You have uh, the compound armor; your opponent doesn't. So if you need to shoot a blast into close combat, do it. Oh yeah, yeah, just go for it. Don't care. Yeah, blow things up. Um, and, I, and I thought that one was kind of the one that was really good for uh, everything going in that. The other one uh, I took was Cryolock. Um, and I really like Cryolock. Of course, you know, if someone's immune to, you know, cold damage, it's not going to work. But um, giving something an activation token is pretty legit in this game. It's pretty good. Uh, especially when you're like, oh, I need to get here and I know that that model's coming towards me. I'm going to lock it down. Um, the one that you took, another one that you took, uh, which was what? Pyrokinetic Surge. Yeah, so my three are actually some of the ones from the original set. Mm -hmm. So nothing too crazy in there. Just Velocity Projector, so you slam something backwards. Pyrokinetic Surge, because I love setting things on fire. Let's on my inner men off. <laughs> it's fairly standard. I tend to stay away from Cryolock. I use Cryolock a lot when I first got into the game. And I got out of it because most of the times I'm reaching for a fury, it's when I need to take just one more point of damage off somebody. Correct. And Cryolock would frustrate me because it doesn't do any damage. So it's incredibly useful, but for my particular play style, I want to just be able to nickel and dime a little bit more damage, either at the start or end of my turn. And the other one that you took was... That was it. Uh, oh, was it? Projector and the pyrokinetic surge. Yeah, because I took uh, was it volatation anchor, which is an yeah. ISA specific one. Um, it's very cool. Yeah, it, one it lets you you know drop someone's armor down by one, and then people get rerolls against that model, yes. uh, which to me is just super legit when it comes to it. You might as well call that card marked for death. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you put this like this on a vehicle, and you've got to get rid of the vehicle. You know, it's just to me is very important yeah. um, because if like I need to take out that target and I need to take out that target now, that really goes for it more than anything else. It's also a really good counter to stuff like your double shield Morningstar. Like if I need to bring down yes. that armor six, let me take you to armor five and then start rerolling my attacks. Yep. Um, so one that we were really kind of was really different on was our harmonics. <laughs> I thought that our harmonics, we like, I don't think we took, we took one, that was the same? No, we had two. Aggressive Theorem and Encrypt and Command. Yeah. Type thing that we that we took. So, Aggressive Theorem, uh, this is like a no-brainer card in my opinion. I agree. You target the model and they can make one additional melee or range attack? I mean, come on. Yeah. And the most important thing about that is that it doesn't care about activation tokens. Correct. Which makes it even... Better in my opinion. Yes. Because <laughs> um, actually we need to go back because we didn't talk about our squads that much. Um, because I think we kind of glanced at it because we both didn't take like a lot of squads. I only took two Paladin Enforcers and you took what? Two Enforcer or one Enforcer? Annihilator? Enforcer and Annihilator. The Annihilator yeah. is simply because the Harbinger Cannon is boss. <laughs> and see, I've used them a lot and I just... I wouldn't say I'm underwhelmed by it, but I was like, I have better things I want to take. They will make more sense when, once we get to the geometric part of the cipher cards. Yeah. Um, 
And then what we did take, uh, what was the other one we took together? Encrypted command. Encrypted command. Yep. Yeah. Which is another one. Remove the activation token from a solo. I mean, that that's what the game is makes or break you is activation tokens. Yeah. Um, and so the one that I took that you didn't, which came into play a lot for me because people will come up and go, Oh, I'm going to kill two models in that unit, not kill the third one and make you use your ability to recall the unit was recall initiative. Yeah. Um, which should be, it, it just makes that where I can get rid of that and bring them back up to full when I need to. Um, which is, was very important uh, when I was doing tournaments that because a good opponent, you know, like I'm going to kill two of those models and either force you to use the ability to, you know, take that unit back or a card. And I would rather use a card than use the ability. Right. Uh, what was the other one that you took that I did not? Well, the other easy pick for me was uh, name is some of these. The psychodynamic infuser, which just takes the activation token off a vehicle. Yeah, and, and you're, but see, you're vehicle heavy, so that's important yeah, for you. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just a practical choice. I normally don't take that one unless I'm packing three vehicles. Yeah, and I only have one, and it's a hero, so I don't care to take that one that much. Right. Um, my one that I take, and I think this is a must for me, especially if you get on first turn, it is so devastating to get this on first turn because if you get on first turn, you play this card first in the game, <laughs> and you have a gate so you can bring out more troops the first round. Ladies and gentlemen, the card, the myth, the legend, Eschatonic Well. A hundred percent. I see, when I pull this card out, my poker face goes away. (laughs) I'm like, oh yeah, and my opponent's like, you got Eschatonic Well, didn't you? I'm like, yeah, and I'm playing Eschatonic Well now. There's a gate, and there's a fury on it, and or arc on it, I should say. There's my arc, and at the end of this turn, I'll be bringing out a solo and a troop, or, you know, a troop with some attachments. Yeah. Um, I, this is just, cause I, I thought about this cause someone says, well, you can play Eschatonic Whale and Gatecrasher a, a first turn. And I was like, yeah, but that's just a ton of arc already gone. Yeah. All my arc would be gone right then and there. Um, and yeah, you could put a bunch of stuff out and you can be ready for it and have a lot of good turns, but getting this out saves for what I need for next round. Yep. Uh, because I'll play this first my first card of the turn, which means at the end of my turn, I get to bring out a well, bring out a, bring out a gate and put arc on it. And then I get to, you know, put out or I can put out, you know, troops out of that and then put out a gate and do what I need to do. Uh, so it lets me balance my arc a little bit better, but I, I get so giddy when I, I get that in my hand <laughs> first round, because if you get it in the first or second round, it's really, really powerful. Yes. After that, it's kind of, you just play it up. Not by ear, but by, you know, where do I need a gate now? Right. Type thing. Uh, The the only other one I took was Arcane Synthesis. I know we have that technically on our Weavers, but my Weavers die so fast on a regular basis that I really like having that card where I can just surprise charging Jack up to five. And our last ones are Geometrics, which we kind of were you know, off on this one too, too. Cause I mean, you took, uh, quite a few of them that I did not take mm-hmm. and I'm kind of getting mine in order. Cause I was like, Oh, I need to get these in order. Um, so one of the ones we did take was reiteration complex. Um, mm-hmm. of course, 
additional range attack how can you not love that yeah that on the annihilators has proved devastating beforehand i mean the ability to let your squad go twice technically or shoot twice is really really good in my opinion yeah um especially because you do have to use it during their activation um but walking forward shooting once oh i didn't take you off the board i'm gonna take you off the board now yes and having having a squad of annihilators with harbinger cannons if you can spike you're ignoring line of sight and cover oh yeah and then you're shooting twice with everybody um the one other one we did take and i think this one I took after playing a few games where it was a go get the objective and come back mm-hmm. um, was the displacement index. Yes. There's something about, okay, this unit's going to run or going to move and then go three inches again. Hey, or go three inches and then move to drop off the objective is really powerful. Yep. Uh, especially when you count into the fact the way squads move. Pick a model, move it, put two, you know, put them within two inches, and then you pick up the guy that's the furthest along, move him three inches, and then put those guys two inches in front of him. You know, mm-hmm. really makes a lot of you know sense in my opinion for going for that. Um, the last one that we took together was tactelic metamorphosis. Well done. This one is yeah. I had to say that in my head before I even tried it. <laughs> I don't know if that's correct, but you said it with confidence. That was good. Yeah. Um, th- this is another one. I mean, it's an ISA one. Plus two rat, mat, and defense. Yep. I mean, okay, so my squad's going to hold this area and blow up anything that comes near it? That is straight up a tune-up on a squad. Yeah. Just unbelievable. Um, like I said, I think that's another one that's like a must-have. Um, what was the other one? I took... So the, another one I took that you didn't take, uh, or one I took that you didn't take, was Temporal Cycle. Yep. Um, which I guess is another one. Remove an activation token from a squad. And a reason why? Objectives. Um, or getting into the place I need to get them into. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I, I think the game built around a lot of... I've activated, I've activated, I've activated. Nothing I can else inactivate activate except for a solo. And so I'm kind of, you know pooped so playing these really helps out especially in tactical objectives and getting around things that you need to get to Uh, what was the one that you took that i did not which was another isa one wasn't it uh the consecration consecration directive this is it's my personal favorite for if i have to hold a spot and it adds as for a squad it adds plus one power die to all your defense rolls and when you're missed by an attack you can retaliate without a melee or ranged Mm mm-hmm and this is another one. I'll slap on the Annihilators if I have a chance. And especially if they're in cover, odds are they're going to get missed and they can immediately just start shooting back with those ridiculous Harbinger cannons. Yeah, I actually, um, one of the events I went to, I was playing with it and I, uh, what was, what's our guys? The Defenders. I put that on the Defenders just for, you know, shits and giggles. You know, I was like, all right, these Defenders, because we didn't have the Cadre Back then, right. at Adepticon, so I took a unit of uh, the Defenders, and I would put them somewhere and just go, pink, here we are, mm-hmm. um, and sit them behind something. I put this guy, I knew he was coming for him, so I put that card on him, so I'm like, okay, I can't shoot you back or hit you back, because you're just going to shoot him, but still. Yeah. The ability to do that just makes it worth it. 
Um, and the one that I took that you didn't take was Devotion Par- Paradigm. Um, it lets me, you know, return one non-destroyed attachment model, so it lets me put things out. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of one of the things that's ISA, and I was like, uh, okay. It just kind of lets me lets me kind of get a little bit where I need to go. Um, without having to do anything. And of course, it's not attachments, but if you really think about that, it's any squad. Yeah. Um, so you put that on, you know, you know, enforcers? Regulators. Regulators? Yeah. You know, it's anything. Honestly, it's a really good alternative to recalling a unit if someone does whittle it down to one. Correct. Yeah, because I mean, if you think about it, you put it on a regulator that's, you know, two health and beef coming back. Yeah. Type thing. Um, you know what? We didn't talk about our... We did talk about two of our attachments uh, within the game, which was the Witch Hound and... Uh, what's his face? Quartermaster. The, yeah. But we didn't talk about uh, the Paladin Aegis. Um, how often are you using him? So I bring in pretty much every game, because why wouldn't you, right? Correct, because it doesn't cost you anything, or no no slots. Yeah. I t- I find I usually only bring him out in the first half of the game, because he's he's very useful. He's incredibly useful. He's got a good gun. He gives cover. But I find myself so arc-starved, usually in the last half of the game, that I don't want to use that extra deployment cost. Correct. I mean, his, his rules are, are, are pretty good. Uh, you know, the squad gains cover, which is... Anybody knows this game, cover is will make and break whether you take down a squad or not. Yeah. Actually, uh, I like his gun more than I like him giving cover. I, I like his, I like the cover thing because that means I don't have to, you know, stick to the, the alleyways and the trenches. <laughs> I can just walk <laughs> him right up the field and go, I don't care. Try. Go ahead. I don't care. Um, but, yeah, his gun is. Uh, his gun's pretty legit. Go ahead and talk about that real quick. So it's, it's basically just the same as the assault rifles the other guys have, but it inflicts either lockdown or repulsor repulsion however you say that repulsion yeah it inflicts repulsion if he's let me get it pulled up you got lockdown and force ram force ram that, that's the one yeah yeah so uh he can spike to slam at three inches or just anything he hits ends up with the lockdown effect so he's i've mostly used him to control someone's movement around an objective. If I need to shove them off the objective or if I want to slow them down on their approach, he's just really been a champ. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things I like. I mean, lockdown is really good because, again, you know, you hit and can do stuff. And the range is it's typical ISA, 12 inches. Oh, yeah. Um, but the ability to slam people away, especially on objectives, are, are really good uh, type thing. So, I mean... It's situational. I usually don't put them out a lot. So he's he's one of the few objectives I don't see myself using a ton of. Yeah, I've got one one model, and I probably won't be buying any more. But when he does come out, he typically does good work. Yeah, I think I think I bought two because I mean, why not? Yeah, just in case. I mean. It's pretty easy to do all this stuff. I mean, <laughs> you're not buying a ton of models, except for, you know, I'll probably buy two cadres just because it'll probably be cheaper down the line to buy two cadres than buy, you know, for some people to buy a tracers and a regulators, you know, just 
by the two cadres. Yeah. Just because it's legit to have extra cool jacks and all the other stuff that go along with it. Um, so other than that, I think that's pretty much our lists. Um, we will include these lists uh, in the show notes and everything so we can kind of have it and we'll kind of mark them out. Um, guys, also, we aren't the top-notch players. Uh, I can play. I play more competitively uh, than John does, but, you know, we do make faults. We aren't perfect. Um, and everybody's going to say, you know, like I said, they're probably going to roast us for not taking gate crashers. Um, and especially me. Uh, but I'm like, I'm just not into gate crasher as much <laughs> <laughs> as everybody else. I, I enjoy what I like on this or anything. Um, I think that's pretty much about it. We, we bring over pretty much our lists, uh, yeah, and how we like we to do them. I think we cover most of the models in ISA in one form or another. Correct. Know. Yeah, because we, we did talk about the Witch Hounds, which I like. Um, we talked about some of them. Oh, we need to talk about the most important model in the entire game that we completely forgot about, and it totally blasts our mind. I mean, how can we forget about the, the, the Mantlets? I, mean, I, I knew things... it was going to be Mantlets. <laughs> <laughs> the Mantlets are like, you know... Most important thing. But you know what? I found myself using mantlets at points where someone has removed an arc. So say I've put four mm-hmm. and they removed an arc and then I need to use three to bring out something that I need. And I have one on there. Why not bring out a mantlet? Yep. I mean, if I don't have anything that's one point cost, why not? Uh, don't leave an arc on a gate if you don't have to. Yeah. In my opinion. Because, I mean, what's the point of having the arc on there? You, you may want to put more arc on it, but I'm like, here, here's a jack, here's a mantlet. Right. You know. I'll say, I originally didn't think I was going to like mantlets very much, just based on, I just wasn't impressed with much with them. But they've been really useful in situations where the field is open because they give you something to hide behind. They've been even more useful in situations where there's a lot of terrain and you can kind of barricade off somewhere that someone would normally come through. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just it's honestly been really fun. And the fact that they don't cost you anything for your force list made them kind of I don't know if I can say an auto include, but yeah, I mean, bring them. You can put two and you know just to be out there. And like I said, like if someone takes and you don't have the ability to put you know something out. A mantlet is great. Why waste the arc on the gate? Right. Because if you don't bring it out when you need to, and there's one arc on that gate, I'm sure your opponent is probably just going to shoot it off really quickly. Yeah. And it's just, you know, not, not a waste of time, but you understand what I'm saying. Hey. It's got to be there. Um, other than that, I think we covered pretty much ISA pretty good. Um, we've been at it for a minute. So thank you all for being patient listening to us ramble. <laughs> we did ramble, but I mean, that's just kind of how it is. Yeah. Um, we covered pretty much every single model on ISA that we like. Um, we did cover quite a bit of the wild cards. I think there wasn't there wasn't much anything. We didn't do Master Tolkien and Fenric, but I don't feel like they fit in um, in, in in ISA as much as I want to. I imagine we'll get to, to more of the wild cards as we do more of the episodes. They'll fit into other lists. Correct, yeah. I, I just don't feel that those two guys fit into um, ISA like I like. Yeah. 
like what you're doing. Um, like I said, guys, we appreciate you listening. If you want to hear more, we're going to do more episodes, at least three more on list building and talking about terrain and community building. Um, we'll try to bring them out as soon as possible. Other than that, um, man, this was really fun. We got to do this more often. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so for War Dice, I'm Gonzo. And I'm John from War Budgies. And here we go. Let's play that cool outro music.